What would it feel like to win the Bryce Harper sweepstakes? I certainly have no idea, but my guest today does. What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah Wellman. Welcome back to Bird Seeds. This is another series preview as the Philadelphia Phillies, yes, complete with Bryce Harper, make their way to St. Louis for a three-game set. The Cardinals, of course, are coming off of that gut-wrenching sweep in Chicago this weekend, set to take on the Phillies, who have had a bit of a roller coaster season, but are certainly off to a better start than the last couple of years. Make sure before we get going that you hit that like button for the series previews and subscribe to this channel for more. But now it is time to welcome back to the show Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports to talk all things Phillies and get you set for this week in St. Louis. Liz, thanks so much for joining me again this year. Now, first of all, thank you for being here. But I have to say, I've started pretty much every series preview with this idea that a little bit of a letdown because you didn't get Bryce Harper or Manny Machado in the offseason. Gotta flip the script for this series preview. So let's just start there. You got Bryce Harper in the offseason. Yes, we did. It was the most exciting. It was the most exciting day I've had as a Phillies fan since probably 2010, like late 2010. Like that was, it's like, you know, eight, nine years in the making. So it's been really, you know, no matter what he does, like that one day, there's like four hours where I was like running around the apartment, you know, the end of my shift at Yahoo is happening. I'm like drinking leftover wine from the fridge. Like, nope, doesn't matter. Time to celebrate. Uh, <laughs> it'll all be worth it. <laughs> and that excitement turned into, we've heard a lot about kind of the numbers of tickets sold and, and attendance at games so far this year. The Phillies actually had a pretty decent spike in attendance to start the year. Is that accurate? And is that Bryce Harper effect? <laughs> it's the Bryce Harper effect, but it's also, you know, they traded for Gene Segura. They... Um, traded for JT Real Muto. Um, that's definitely part of it. You know, they put together a really competitive team that they're like, now it's time to win games. We spent this many years, you know, sucking and we've been rebuilding and telling you just wait. Now we're actually at the point where we're ready to win games. We're ready to show you that we're ready. So. Yeah, those were a couple of other big moves that I think a lot of people had their eyes on as far as where those guys would land. I know Gene Segura was a guy that came up in, in talks about the Cardinals because he sort of seemed to fit kind of the guy that they would t maybe go out and get in, in the past. Um, yeah. Those moves kind of developed slowly, though, for the Phillies. The offseason started with kind of this idea that the Phillies are going to be a team that's active and going out and making moves, and then it just kind of sat there for a while. Was it? Was there ever a moment over the course of the offseason where you were like, what, is, this, is this all just talk, or is anything actually going to happen? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Um, I, I stepped away from the good fight um, last October when I got a full-time job with Yahoo Sports, um, but I'm still in the, the good fight slack room with, you know, our the new head guy and the, the writers, and there wasn't a day, like, we were... Someone should go back and look at all that. It's just like, you know, like 15 optimistic people who love baseball slowly devolving into nothing's happening. Baseball is terrible. I'm leaving the country. 
everything is bad. You know, there were days where we didn't think, like, we're just dissected. We've got like eight tweets up in the Slack. We're just like, so this person said this word, but this word is slightly different on this other guy's tweet. Is it, is it really different? Can we find anything there? Like, no, we're all just crazy. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was bad sometimes. That's what sports fandom does to us, right? Whether we yes. want it to or not. Um, but since then, Bryce Harper had an effect as well as guys like Real Muto and, and Gene Segura and others that, that made the excitement factor there. Harper hasn't been perhaps quite as impressive as a lot of people hoped he would be. Is that a fair way to, to say that? I think that's true. I think the effect of him being in the lineup has really helped everybody. Um, I think, you know, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. I think, you know, guys like uh, third baseman Michael Franco have really benefited from having to be dropped down in the order. He's been incredibly productive. Um, but, you know, on his own, you know, he's walking a lot, but he's also pressing. He's doing what he did at the beginning of last season, which was not do well. <laughs> he was not good. I mean, he hit over 300 the last two months, two and a half months of the season. I would like him to get started a little bit sooner <laughs> than that. Yeah, that that would be helpful, I think, as far as uh, morale of the fan base watching this major acquisition just kind of hover around, you know, average in, in many ways. But you did mention the walk rate is up. Um, I have to bring up this line from a podcast you were actually on, on Hidden Season, um, because your co-host on that show used the, the line that uh, Bryce Harper swings like a crazed toddler swinging at a pinata of Tootsie Rolls. Yes. <laughs> and I actually laughed out loud. Um, That's a good one. Because it's a phenomenal line, but it's also, I mean, if you watch Bryce Harper's swing, it's a little bit out of control. And when he's not hitting well, it really highlights how out of control his swing can be. <laughs> yeah, like you look at Bryce Harper and, you know, it, it's been, what, six, seven years since he was called up. Um you know, he's not a kid anymore. Like, I was thinking about this yesterday. We say, let the kids play. And, like, Bryce Harper. He's not Mike one of Trout, them. <laughs> they're not the, I mean, they're they're not veterans, as you'd think of them. But they're not the kids anymore. You've got, like, Nick Senzel, you know, is the kids. You know, guys like that. You know, Vladito over in, in um, Toronto. But, you know, you look at Harper and sometimes you see, you know, that, young guy who is just he doesn't know how to get himself out of a slump and it would be great for him to identify that he needs to work on that specifically and to get out of it you know I I can say those words and you're like yeah it's just that easy it is you know very hard probably impossible but it would be nice to see him try some other things. Like he bunted for a base hit like a couple weeks ago. And I was just like, yes, more of that. Like he had like a four hit game or something like that along with the bunt. I'm like, you need to just, you know, open the dam, get, get something going. Yeah. It's always, it's always an interesting predicament. I think for guys like that and <laughs> Please, people are going to watch this and be like, did you just compare Matt Carpenter to Bryce Harper? No, I'm not <laughs> comparing Matt Carpenter to Bryce Harper. But similarly, there's a slump happening to start the year, and Matt Carpenter will occasionally bunt for a base hit to beat the shift or, or whatever the case may be. And you'd like to think that that would be the thing. Just pick up a couple of hits in one game, and all of a sudden, all these woes will be gone. Um, actually, it is interesting if you look at uh, spray charts for Bryce Harper and Matt Carpenter, both of them really pull the ball so dramatically that it's hard mm -hmm. 
when that's who they are when they're successful, to try to then get them to do something different than that to generate the normal version of success. It's just a very strange predicament, I think, for a guy like that who does one thing so well to try to change what he's doing to get back to that one thing. Yes, I completely agree. Like, it again, you say, like, try something different. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I could say that, just walk away, do my normal job. Like, that, his job is to figure out what that difference is, and yeah. he, he still can't do it. Like, baseball is hard. <laughs> Baseball's hard. So, you know, I, I feel for him, this can't be the way he wanted to start. I, I also think he, he comes up with runners on base a lot. I think he's really trying for that big moment. He want, you know, looking at how he spent his first few weeks in Philadelphia after the season started, he wants to be that hero. He feels like he's here to be that hero. And I, I love it. You know, Philadelphia, the Phillies have needed a guy like that. But that's not always, you know, just dump one into, you know, shallow, you know, the shallow outfield, you know, skip one up the third baseline. It doesn't have to always be out into the seats. Like, take a breath. It just put the ball in play. Just put it in play. Let's try Crazy that. Crazy things happen when, when yes. you put the ball in play. Um, Make contact. I, yes. You know, I did ask for some questions on Twitter, and one of them was about Bryce Harper in regards to the approach against him, um, which the reason that I brought up the spray chart is because I was trying to see where he's hitting the ball to this year, because the question was specifically about, you know, how do you pitch to Bryce Harper without leaving something outside that he's just going to poke the other way for a base hit? He's not doing a whole lot of that this year. So I'm not sure that's really the question to be asking about Bryce Harper right now. (laughs) No, we were talking on uh, Hidden Season last night that Harper's actually missing stuff like in the middle of the zone, like where him and every other hitter should be able to knock it out. He's just like, he's early on all of it. Like he, his timing isn't right. I don't know what it is because it, it, it looks a lot like last season, maybe not quite as bad because I think he was hitting in the hundreds somewhere and I think he's still he's over he's over 200 he's over the Mendoza line by a decent enough clip that I'm comfortable (laughs) but (laughs) like what what is it that's happening you know some people said it's about missing spring training and I don't buy it players hate spring training um I my my crackpot theory is that he signed late because he really didn't want to go to spring training um but at the same time I know that you know, guys like pitchers need it. Like clubs tend to baby their pitchers in spring training. And so I don't want to apply that to everybody, but I really don't think missing spring training is the problem. He's just, it's baseball. Like, I don't really know what else to, you know, put on it other than it's baseball. And hopefully this isn't who Bryce Harper is. Otherwise this bad, but (laughs) I, I mean, I have a lot of faith that he'll be able to find his swing somewhere. I just hope it's earlier than the all-star game. Yeah, that I was going to say he figured it out eventually last year, but uh, not, not nearly as quickly as a lot of people would have hoped. Um, So he has not been particularly impressive, but who has, you mentioned um, that there have been some other guys that have benefited from him being in the lineup, but who's stood out so far in the start to the season for the Phillies outside of what hasn't happened for Bryce Harper? For me, it's definitely Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins is hitting, I think, nearly 300. I think he's like hitting 291 or something like that. Um, he's, I think he's got the team lead in home runs. He's looking really good. You know, one of the issues with Hoskins is that he will go on like a, 
a lightning hot streak and then be cold for over a month. And then he'll have like a week and a half, two weeks of being great. He'll be cold for six weeks. Like what we've really needed from him is consistency. And I think sort of the issue last year is that he was really the only guy in the lineup who could do anything. <laughs> like yeah. last year, the Phillies, you know, they, they looked good at times, but they were really, there were some bad bad stretches of games, especially near the end. And Hoskins feels like he's a leader in the clubhouse, even now with, you know, more veteran players there. He's always, you know, taken on that mantle willingly. And I think he just sort of felt the weight of the Phillies on his shoulders. And as he began to falter, he's like, no, I have to do better. I have to try harder. And he just continued pressing and he ended the season in like not a great place. I think knowing that he's not the only one out there who's capable not just trying, but capable of contributing has really helped him because he's looked exceptional. He's looked better than I've seen him since that insane stretch in 2017. You know, he doesn't have to hit home runs all the time. He's, he's changing it up. He's, you know, hitting doubles. He's no triples for him. Um, but, you know, he's looking, you know, as, as good as I've seen him. And so I'm really encouraged by him. I have to ask about old NL Central familiar face, Andrew McCutcheon. That was a deal over the offseason that I kind of went, huh? What? What's happening? I was awfully surprised by that. <laughs> but I was surprised. He does. I, I mean, he's not completely incompetent. It's not like he just fell off the face of the earth when he left uh, He left um, the Pirates. So what have you seen from Andrew McCutcheon? And is it making more sense bringing him into this mix? I thought it always made sense. Um, the Phillies needed a, uh, gosh, where does he play? Right field, I think, primarily. Or no, left field. He plays left field. Um, they, they needed a competent fielder more than just, you know, a guy that they've converted from another position. Because Reese Hoskins played left field last year, which was the bane of my existence. <laughs> I really, really hated it. It was my least favorite thing to see. Them trading Carlos Santana, put him at first base, which is where he should have been the whole time. Um, now I completely lost my train of thought. Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon. Thank you. Um, left field. Yes. That's how I got there. Um, Andrew McCutcheon is a, a great, you know, an above average left fielder. I like him a lot. He, you know, he doesn't have those insane numbers that he used to. Um, but he's been consistent. He's been good. He's had hits where it's mattered. Um, and you know, he's just another veteran presence in a clubhouse that was so populated with young guys who are just sort of like Gabe Kapler runs a clubhouse where he wants everyone sort of to be free to do whatever they want, which I like personally. Everyone, you know, works a different way, but you need someone, you need people to keep guys in line. Like, hey, stop showing up late or stop being 10 minutes late to get out to the field to do drills or whatever it is. Like, you know, just show up and do your stuff on time. Uh, and I think having guys like that in the clubhouse couldn't be better and more helpful for such a, a young team that's still working to find, you know, how everyone works best. So I'm I'm so happy to have him around. He's the best. Yeah, I I've always been a fan of McCutcheon, just sort of as a person and as a a, a I don't know as a character in a clubhouse. I feel like he's a, a very steady presence and. Even in the midst of the roller coaster that was the Pirates um, over the course of his tenure there, 
he's, he just kind of was who he was and always seemed like the good guy that was going to do the right thing and, and be what he needed to be and be committed to whatever the process was. So I can imagine him being just whatever happens on the field, an excellent presence in the clubhouse for young guys or for guys who maybe are new to the system, just kind of that steady presence for sure. Um, let's talk about pitching because that has been uh, a problem for the Cardinals and it going into this series, looking at some of these matchups, it, it worries me a little bit as far as the pitching that we'll see, but we can also talk about bullpens because I don't think I've ever done a series preview where somebody was like, our bullpen is great because everyone <laughs> always has trouble with the bullpen. Let's start though with the starters and the probable pitching matchups for this series. It'll be Velasquez and Michaelis in the opener tonight. Then Aaron Nola, Dakota Hudson, uh, Jared Eikhoff and Jack Flaherty in game three. Those are some really interesting matchups to me because not a lot of familiarity between the pitchers and the hitters in this series. No, I'm I'm excited to see some of the the pitchers that the Cardinals are tossing out there because I don't have a lot of familiarity familiarity with them either. I kind of like that both teams are going to sort of be seeing these guys for the first time. I, I feel like that makes for an interesting game when everyone's trying to figure things out sort of on the fly because, you know... I, Nothing is ever the way you imagine it right. when you prepare. No. <laughs> so, um, I, you see, you said Velasquez was first. He's been, you know, he's probably the most volatile pitcher the Phillies have. He's inconsistent. He can look great one start, and then the next start, he throws 50 pitches in one inning. You know, that's sort of his thing. If, if, you know, the Cardinals can work him. If they can just make him throw a lot of pitches, he will throw a ton of pitches and be out of the game early. And then the Phillies' craptastic bullpen will be will be there, ready to give up as many runs as they need. Um, Aaron Nola has finally gotten himself back on track, which I'm very happy with. Um, looking more like the you know the third place Cy Young um, winner winner uh, last year, Cy Young of my heart. Um, <laughs> And Jared Eikhoff is the most delightful surprise. He is. He didn't pitch at all last year. Um, I can't remember if he had thoracic outlet syndrome or if it was something they thought was that. But mm. he he was there were he was feeling numbness in his pitching hand in his fingers. I mean, there were we were hearing rumors that he might retire, that he may not pitch again, um, and for him to come back and be this guy that we saw a couple of years ago is, I mean, it makes me so happy. <laughs> it makes me so happy because I loved him when he came to the Phillies. Um, and he, I mean, he's not a, he's not a fireballer. He's not going to overwhelm anybody. Um, he's a more of a crafty pitcher who relies on, you know, low off-speed pitches. Um, and that's why I love watching him because he sort of figures out it's like a, watching a pitch is like a, a puzzle that has multiple ways you can put it mm. together. Yeah, yeah. That's always a, a really interesting process to watch. And when you have a guy who's kind of cerebral enough to think his way through an outing like that, it's fascinating to watch. Uh, Miles Michaelis for the Cardinals is, I guess on paper, their ace, but maybe because there's no other option <laughs> to be called the ace <laughs> at this point. Um, he was phenomenal last year, and I think last year no one really knew what to expect, and he came out and was just so steady and so consistent. He's a guy that's going to throw strikes, and he has had 
issues in that regard this year because some of the strikes he throws have been hit over the fence <laughs> because now all of a sudden teams know, okay, he's going to come after you. He's going to be in the strike zone. He's going to, uh, you know, not get too crazy. He doesn't have 98 plus. So you kind of know what you're going to get, but we've seen him the last couple of outings sort of adjust to that adjustment from the hitters. So I will be interested to see what he does in this start. Dakota Hudson won the job out of spring training and has ridiculous movement on his pitches when he has a good feel for them. When he doesn't mm -hmm. have a good feel for them, he misses either so far out of the strike zone that no one's going to swing at it or right over the plate. So it can get pretty ugly pretty quick or he'll shut him down for six innings. And the same kind of thing can be said about Jack Flaherty. He's definitely the ace caliber young guy at this point in the rotation. He's had a little bit of trouble with home runs himself this season, which is a, a bit strange, but he... He had a really strong start, then got roughed up a bit by the Cubs this weekend in Saint or in uh, in Chicago. So we'll see what he does as a rebound there. You mentioned the bullpen. Can you narrow it down to one or two things <laughs> that have been the biggest struggle for the Phillies bullpen so far? Uh, like no one is. I feel like there's a problem with uh, just just in general. <laughs> I'm just like, is it, are they not throwing strikes? It is some of that. Are they, you know, are there too many hits? There's also that. They're a bunch of home runs. Like most, like there's one guy, one or two guys you can really depend on. And that's it. Like Adam Morgan has been exceptional, but I actually went to Philly to watch Saturday night's game. The only game they, lo they lost against the Nationals. I brought my dad, which was great way. Like we watched, we watched Adam Morgan give the game away two straight home runs hadn't happened to him all year and just the game was lost. It was over at that point. So I like, I can't fault him for having a bad night because he's the best reliever on the team right now. You know, it's like him and Hector Neris are the two guys you can send out. And most of the time it's not going to end in tears. The rest of the guys, it's just a huge crapshoot. Like Pat Neshek was lights out last year. And this year he doesn't look like he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. Like Juan Nicasio had like two throwing it two somehow two throwing errors on one play or something <laughs> like that. It it he they could just fire him into the sun anytime anytime they're ready. I'd be ready to be done with him. But you know they have some arms in the minors, and I would love for the, I don't know what it's going to take for them to launch one of these guys off on an ice flow and and bring one of them up. I'm ready anytime. Who are some of those guys? Because I did have someone on Twitter ask specifically about Edgar Garcia as a, a, an arm in the Phillies system that he has been impressed by. So who are some of those guys that are in the organization that you think could come in and, and fill in one of those spots if they're willing to take that chance? Well, it's definitely Edgar Garcia. I think he's coming up soon. Uh, I think it's soon. They just sent down, um, I think they just sent down Eniel De Los Santos, who has not been great. No, they sent down a Dubre Ramos, who has not been super great. He needs regular work. Um, I don't think they've brought anybody up. And so it might be him. Um, I would like for it to be him. They need someone. Like, you know, he has to <laughs> trial by fire, just put him right in there. Um, there are worse ways, <laughs> there are worse ways for a reliever to be introduced to the majors. Um, but there's also Nick Pavetta, who is a starting pitcher who was in the rotation to start the year and just was bad, very bad. Um, he's been in AAA and just doing exceptionally as a starter. 
there's been talk of moving him to the bullpen. Um, you know, he is a two-pitch mix that they think would work really well coming out of the bullpen, either in the late innings or as long relief. I am reluctant, personally, um, you know, because once, once you move him to the bullpen, he's there for the year. You can't move him. You really can't move him back out as a starter unless you're committed to keeping him in long relief, which they don't really need that much of right now. So, you know, I'm on the fence about it, but if they think that he can help the bullpen, stop the bullpen from giving away so many games, I, you know, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to try it as they, they run all their decisions through me. Right. <laughs> uh, they're going to listen to this series preview, obviously, and be like, oh, that's what we should do. That's exactly. that's the point of all of this. It's just to, you know, solve all, all the baseball We're advising. Problems. We're advising yeah. our teams. Yeah. This is what we do. <laughs> they can, I'll, I'll tell them where to send the check later. They can just <laughs> pass that along my way. Um, so as you look at this series, whether it's the bullpen or the starters or Bryce Harper getting going, is there anything that you are looking for specifically as, as what might be the key to this series with the Cardinals in St. Louis? I'd like to see more consistent offense. You know, the Phillies have had a lot of lopsided games, whether, you know, they're on the the good end or the bad end. There haven't been a lot of close games with the Phillies. They're either going to hit 8 million home runs or they're going to have two hits, period. So I'd love to see a little bit more consistency. Um, I think, no offense, the Cardinals rotation is a perfect way to find it. Um, (laughs) That is true. (laughs) I do send my sympathies on on what happened with the Cubs over the weekend because I also hate the Cubs. So it was it was a rough weekend. Yes, to say we don't have to talk about yeah. it. Um, but yes, <laughs> a consistency. I'd love to see the bullpen do better, but I'd also like to see the starters last long enough that the bullpen doesn't need to contribute too much. You know, I'd like to see seven innings from two of the three guys, so we only need to deal with the eighth and ninth. And God willing, they can find find a reliever who can pitch, you know, one to two innings and actually just get that done. So it's just consistency, you know. I I, I don't mind the roller coaster. It's a lot better than it has been at any point in the last six or seven years. You know, I'd rather a roller coaster of winning and then losing and then winning and then losing rather than it just be all losing. <laughs> <laughs> at least with the roller coaster, there is some up, right? There's some exactly. up, not just There's down. Some up. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't mind the roller coaster, but I'd love for them to sort of settle into something more consistent. But I also don't think that's possible without a bullpen that can pitch better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing, right? I mean, bullpens are so hard to figure out, but they're also so critical to any sort of sustained winning streak of any kind. So that's that always seems to be the mix for the teams that that do it the best. The Cardinals, as you mentioned, uh, coming off of that sweep in Chicago, got some pretty dramatic uh, bullpen moments of their own this weekend. But the biggest issue for them was just not hitting. So as far as the Cardinals are concerned, you know, this was a team that was scoring runs not necessarily at will, but certainly in bunches and coming up with clutch hits when they needed them until they ran into the Cubs this weekend. So they'll be trying to rectify that at home. They've played pretty well at home so far this year. We'll see how that lasts. And I know a lot of people who are excited to see Bryce Harper, whether he is in a a Cardinals uniform or not. There were a lot of people who were hoping that he would be, but nonetheless, As the Phillies come into town, so too does Bryce Harper. Liz, where can people find you and your work and more about the Phillies? 
You can find me uh, at Liz Rocher on Twitter. Um, you can find my work now exclusively at Yahoo Sports. Um, I'm there five days a week. You can find uh, more of my podcast stylings on the Good Fight podcast feed. You can subscribe to that if you if you Cardinals fans are so interested. Um, you know, we talk a lot. We're See, we're, we're doing on our sort of second podcast, Continued Success, a look back at 10 years, 10 years ago in the Phillies world. So the 2009 Phillies, they went to the World Series. Uh, in the next couple of years, when we do 2010 and 2011, we'll be hearing a lot about the Cardinals. Not so much this year, but lots about the Cardinals coming up. Um. <laughs> so if you want to get a head start, make sure you're in on the ground floor to listen to that when it comes around. Liz, exactly. thanks so much for your uh, for your time today and enjoy the the series. Thanks so much for having me on. It was great. Well, if you are not a fan of small sample size analysis, do yourself a favor and do not try to predict this series because there really just isn't a whole lot to work with between two teams that have some history, but just not with these current iterations of their rosters. Tonight's matchup, again, between Velasquez and Miles Michaelis features the most familiarity, but even that is pretty limited as you look down the stat lines. Beyond that, it just gets even more dramatic. So we will get a chance to see how both of these teams game plan for pitchers and hitters that they're maybe not super familiar with and how quickly they can adjust to what the opponent is doing. Again, the Cardinals coming off of a terrible weekend in Chicago, but kicking off a long week of home games, which is where they have been very successful this year. The Philadelphia Phillies leading their division, but still trying to ride out the, the roller coaster a little bit, waiting for Bryce Harper to turn the corner. Lots to look out for this week. The Cardinals have to get better performances from guys like Matt Carpenter and Paul Goldschmidt. Slow starts are slow starts, but it is time. Those guys need to figure it out for this team to have sustained success. Also, keep an eye on what happens in the Cardinals' bullpen because there's been some movement there. Of course, we saw the debut of Luke Gregerson that did not go particularly well. The struggles of Dominic Leone continue in the last couple of weeks, and the starting pitching still isn't going deep enough. Plenty of storylines to follow. Make sure that you're subscribed to this channel so that I can tell you all about them in the game recaps on About Last Night as we go throughout the series. Make sure you're following along over at birdsontheblack.com because there's always great analysis and information there. You can follow me on Twitter because why wouldn't you want to talk to me more about what we just said? I, in fact, I compared Matt Carpenter to Bryce. No, I didn't. I didn't compare Bryce Harper and Matt Carpenter, okay? Just... Stop thinking that. It didn't happen. But make sure you're following me on Twitter. You can always tweet at me. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you want to see here on this channel, and I will see what I can do about it. So thanks again to Liz for joining me. I'm Tara Wellman. I'll see you next time.